Hey y'all, it's season three of the Be Your Own Kind podcast and we thank you, humbly thank you for tuning in. Be Your Own Kind's mantra is there is never an inopportune time to be yourself. In other words, be you without apologies. In this season, I will be presenting nuggets and interviewing individuals that are creating their lane and rocking it. Be sure to check out the featured businesses in the description box and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and pretty much every platform. Okay, now let's take flight. Well, hello, Stephanie. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm happy to finally connect with you. I know. It's been a little while, but we did it. We did do it. You, you survived uh, Black Friday, so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With all the sales and the wonderful things that um, what we're about to talk about, trades with hope, you know, um, provide an offer just for I don't I love the organization before we get into it because I love the fact when I looked up the um, the owners they mentioned that when they were talking to women globally it was people didn't want charity they actually wanted an opportunity exactly. And I love that point of view because a lot of people are like, well, it's during Carvish and we're just getting no, they want to work for their right. wages. They want to be a part of like in the game, you know, right. not just sitting on the sidelines. And I thought that that was a really like a very good perspective like, when I read. Yeah. And it, it provides dignity. I mean, nobody yeah. wants to be a beggar for life. That's not a job that you want. What do you do? Well, I beg. That's not a job you want to description you want Um, and so having a job any job provides a source of dignity you can provide for your family you can uh you know pay fees for your children to go to school all the things that we kind of tend to take for granted i think a lot when we're already in that position Mm -hmm. uh but yeah just having that sense of dignity and responsibility and owning it you know like i did this it always it makes me think of friends so I grew up on friends and when Rachel gets her first paycheck you know and she's sitting there and she's like I did this I did this I earned this money who's FICA and why is he taking all my money you know (laughs) I ask that every other week (laughs) (laughs) but that's what it makes me think of you know like you you have a sense of ownership and pride when you work for it yeah yeah and that's that's what i I love about that because you know we have these charitable events but i feel like people still think away just you just want me to hand my money over so even though that's terrible thinking Mm -hmm. i feel like that i've actually heard people say that like you just want to my heart on money you just want to just give it to someone else well yeah because there are people that don't have hard earned money due to circumstances in life. So what will it hurt you? It, it, it pays, I guess in this case, it pays the time, but it won't hurt you to give to someone. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, and in this case, it's not a charity. So right. uh, when you're buying things that are fair trade from any, any fair trade company, not just Trades of Hope, that's just who I happen to work with. But if you buy things from any fair trade company, you're receiving something in return. You're getting you know, whatever you buy, your earrings or your bracelets, the necklace you have on, your beautiful necklace. Um, you know, there's home decor. I've got art on the wall behind me from Mexico. Nice. Got pillow. You know, just uh, things that are fair trade, you're receiving something in return. Now you may have to pay a little bit more for it because you're actually paying 
the worker what they should be paid (laughs) for making it. I tend to think like if I was doing this beadwork or if I was making that necklace or that pillow or the artwork, what would I want to be paid for it? How much time, like what would I, would I want to be paid, you know, 30 cents for every piece of art I make? No. (laughs) Right. No way. So uh, why do I expect that from other people just because they're impoverished to begin with. Why do I expect to get something cheap? Um, we got to pay them dignified work for what they're doing. Exactly, and that, and I think that's where I was, I was trying to get it. Like, people just look at people a different way when they're in certain social, you know, um, social economic like parts of the world, or if it's just like, like people already have preconceived notions when they see certain people from different parts of the world or whatever the story. And I think, and I think that bothers me because you don't know that person's story. And I don't think any of us have that, have the right to look down on anyone. You know what I'm saying? We all have our struggles. And what that same energy that we would use to judge that person, we can use to help that person. Yeah. You know, so, and I think we went a little bit ahead. I know the audience is like, what organization are y'all talking about? So we're talking about the Trades of Hope. And Stephanie, could you please give us a quick rundown of what um, Trades of Hope is all about? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, I work with Trades of Hope, like she said, uh, which is a fair trade organization. And we work with mainly women artisans around the world, about 80% of the artisans we work with are women. artisans around the world who are working their way out of poverty and trafficking through job creation. So they make all these beautiful things uh, that we sell. And then what we do here in the States is just provide a market for them to be able to sell it. Because like I've been to Haiti several times, I've met our artisans there and uh, they just, they don't have a market to sell what they make. So like my earrings are from Haiti, but they don't have people in Haiti who will buy the earrings, but people in America love them. So what we do here is just provide the market to be able to sell the products that they make. And then they can empower themselves out of poverty just by having a job, a dignified job. That is super cool, super dope. How did you learn about the organization? Oh, wow. Uh, I was a slow convert, I will say, because I'm a bargain shopper. I'm like clearance shopper all the way. If I could get a pair of pants for $4, you know, I was like, boom, I am all over that. Um, So my mindset took a long time to shift to standing in a store and thinking, huh, somebody made those pants and I wonder how much they got paid. Because if I'm paying $4, they probably got paid like pennies. So, uh, so I, I was a, but I was a slow convert because it was very ingrained in me to buy as cheap as possible. So a friend invited me to um, a, a fair trade party. She called it a fair trade party. And there were several different vendors there who had things uh, based on the company that they worked with. And I was walking around and I was like, this is cool. Like, this is a neat idea. seems a little expensive. I don't know. seems a little pricey for me. I'm not sure I can handle this. Um, But once I caught the idea, then 
like I said, I'm a slow learner. So I, um, I did some reading, I did some research, uh, by trade, I'm an accountant. So, um, once I, I heard about the company, then I started doing a little more digging in like numbers. Mm-hmm. And so the numbers side of it made sense to me. Like, um, you know, if you, if you pay more for something and the person who made it actually gets paid more for something, then they can have a job and they can support their family. That makes sense to me and as a way of leading people out of poverty. Um, but then I did some more digging into the company itself just to make sure that what they were saying was happening was actually happening because <laughs> I'm suspicious like that. Uh, and just everything I found out about them. So it started off at a party at a friend's house. And then everything I found out about them, I just fell deeper and deeper in love with the company and their mission and everything. And so, um, yeah, I was like, how can I be a part of this? I need, I need to be a part of this at this point. I, I need to be a part of this. So how can I do it? <laughs> nice, nice. And how, like, if someone is interested in being a part, um, how would they go about doing it? Oh, it's, it's easy, super easy. There's two different ways uh, mm-hmm. that you can be a part of. Well, there's lots of different ways you can be a part of it. I shouldn't limit it to two. Um, we need people, we obviously need people to buy the products. So, uh, you know, we need people to be customers and just shop, shop our wares. Right. Uh, and I can provide a website and a link and go to it, have at it. Um, we need people, so I, I met the person who was, introduced me to the whole concept and idea at a party. So we need people who will volunteer to like gather their friends and family together and say hey come listen to this this is a cool idea it's a neat concept and uh we need so we need people to host the party sorry my camera just went fuzzy now it's back (laughs) um and then we need people who will do my job as well and be the person who will go out and say hey look at this stuff that comes from all over the world. Everything has a story and a real person behind it. And I want to tell you about it and, uh, and you know, and make you buy it. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> well, to support, I, to support the women. <laughs> yeah, to support the women. I tell people that I'm a storyteller. Like I'm not a salesperson. I am not a salesperson at all. Um, but I am a storyteller. And so I will get up and I'll share some of the stories of some of our artisan partners. And uh, and then just let ladies have at it. And I can do that online. I can do it in person. COVID like shut things down for a long uh-huh. time. And I learned how to do it on things like this. <laughs> right. So I will talk to anybody and everybody who will listen to me about fair trade. And so there's two different ways you can do that. You can be like a full blown partner, which is what I am um, and have you know, try to organize parties and stuff, or you can be what's called an affiliate and just wear and share. So if I wear these cool earrings to the Starbucks drive-thru and somebody says, awesome earrings, I say, thank you. They were made in Haiti by a lady who is uh, able to send her child to school now because of these earrings. Here you go, here's my card. And then they go and buy the earrings and, and that's a great way to do it too. So there's lots of ways to be involved. Oh, okay. Word of mouth is always going to be one with marketing. Even with all this technology, word of mouth is still the most okay. effective <laughs> tool. Absolutely. To yeah. 
That was my son. <laughs> even, even this necklace right here, this is made out of paper. So I'm like, this is super cool. This is from Africa, right? Yeah. yeah. That one is from Uganda. Yeah. And that is made out of rolled magazines. So they cut the magazines in like these this triangle shape mm -hmm. and then roll it up real thin on uh, like bamboo skewers. And then, um, you know, obviously magazines would have lots of different colors. So then those are painted and varnished and everything to hold it. But yeah. And this is super cool. You can't even tell that this is paper. Like you cannot. When I know. She, when she said that, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> This is so nice. Yeah, so this That's is another thing I love. A lot of the groups that we work with um, use basically trash or like they're recycling mm -hmm. what they have and what things that they have available to them to make beautiful things. It's like turning trash to treasure. Like my earrings are made out of uh, recycled aluminum. So they melted pop cans and things that were, that they found and they were made recycled aluminum. Um, couple of my bracelets like this one is made out of recycled steel oil drums oh wow are just kind of all over in Haiti because they you know they're 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 a little island mm -hmm. and things come to the island but the trash doesn't really go off the island very well you know so when they get gas they it comes in these really big 50 gallon uh, steel oil drums and, but then they don't have anywhere to put them afterwards. So they can do things like make bracelets out of them or, oh, I should take this off the wall. This is gorgeous. Oh. This says peace, love, joy. I don't know if it's backwards for you guys, it might be. But this is made out of recycled steel oil drums as well. Oh my. Yeah. I love it. I just love that they were able to take something that was available to them that would otherwise be considered trash and turn it into something beautiful. Oh my God, they're so innovative and creative. Like, you know, and they're, they're doing something that they love to do, mm -hmm. you know, and making like fair wages. Mm -hmm. you know? So that's that's what I love about Trade Hope. Actually, when you were telling me the story, I'm just like, this is different. This is different. You know, like you're granting opportunity. So, and you said some of these women were in trafficking, right? Like they were, yeah, sex trafficking. So you've given them hope, you know, and you've given them hope in hopeless situations. And I think that that's pretty cool, you know? Um, and how do these women find Trader Hope? Like how do you guys recruit, you know, artisans? Our artisan partners? Yeah. Uh, that is a great question. So we are a fair trade company, which means that um, there's like, nine or 10 different fair trade principles mm -hmm. that the groups that we work with have to follow. So I tell people, you know, when you buy something from us, you know that it's uh, the artisans were paid a fair wage. They were working in a safe environment. I mean, I've heard stories about women who are like chained to their sewing machine in Bangladesh, you know, or so, so that I can have a $2 tank top. And I'm like, nope, nope, not gonna buy those anymore. <laughs> Um, so they're, they're working in a safe environment. There's no child labor. I mean, there's a whole list of things that have to be met in order to be a fair trade company. So, uh, and artisan groups around the world, if they want to work with us, can fill out an application 
but then we have to go and make sure that their group is following all these principles because we can't have because we are designated as a fair trade company so we can't have like some groups that follow fair trade and other groups that don't you know it's got to all be fair trade so the artisans they can fill out an application but then we have somebody his name is lucas and his wife diana and they um they're from india and they travel around to all of our different artisan groups and any artisan group that we might want to bring on and they make sure that all of these practices are being followed in that group and the reason why Lucas and Diana go is because in some cultures, um, especially if we're working with an all-female artisan group, they won't talk to Lucas. Nobody will talk to Lucas, but they'll talk to Diana. Okay. But like women won't, they won't talk to him. So they both go, they work as a team and they get the information they need. Or like Lucas will be talking to the managers, you know, the people in charge and Diana will go talk to the actual workers and be like, hey, are you being treated? well you know are you being paid fairly and she'll get like the dirt and make sure from <laughs> <laughs> the actual people that uh that things are on the up and up so i love that when i found out that you know they travel around they visit all the groups at least once a year and make sure that everything is on the up and up and we're not having the wool pulled over our eyes in some way right um but yeah they just fill out an application and we Right now, work with people in uh, 19 countries, including the U.S. So we do have a couple of groups of uh, ladies. All the groups that we work with in the U.S. are ladies who are coming off the streets and out of trafficking or, uh, or drug addictions. Um, and they'll make some of like our bath and body products. So, okay. yeah. So even if some of the artists don't really know what they want to make or have any idea, you guys kind of give them ideas. Yeah. So typically there's somebody in, you know, in charge of the group and that group will make a specific item. So, um, you know, we have groups that make bath and body things. We have groups that make leather handbags. Uh, we have groups that make jewelry, groups that make home decor or like this type of thing is a really specialized skill. I've actually tried this and it's super hard. It doesn't look easy. No, so hard. Like you're, you have to work at it backwards. And I couldn't even pound a straight line into the steel. I was like, this is, this is hopeless. Forget it. I'll just buy it. You guys are really good at this. Uh, so yeah, we, um, so different groups will make different things and then when we first started, we were kind of in charge of everything. Like, we would help them know, okay, women in America will buy, you know, the, these types of things. Um, and now that, that we've been around for about 11 years and everybody's getting a little more experienced in everything, the groups are now starting to come up with their own designs and they'll send, uh, you know, pieces to our home team, which is in Florida and say, hey, how do you like this? You know, this sample, how would this play out? And we're able to say, yes, that would be awesome. People in America would love that. Or no, nope, try again. You know, like <laughs> that's not, I don't think people are really gonna go for that here. They may go for that where you are, but they're not gonna go for that. So we do still offer a lot of advice on uh, what we think will sell well, but um, they are starting to kind of 
own their their group a little bit more and come up with designs on their own instead of us always providing the design. So well, I that, think that's super cool. Yeah, because that's a boost of confidence in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Exactly, exactly. So how exactly does Trade of Hope get paid? Like, how do they survive? How do they sustain? <laughs> well, it's a business. So like any other business, um, we will, you know, we'll pay the artisans. We pay them a hundred percent of their asking price. Okay. And some of the groups, um, we and we we don't haggle. Like we don't try to talk them down if they give us a price. We're not like, oh, it's a little too high. Um, if that is what they need, because they know what the materials cost in their area, they know what they need to pay their workers and they know how much they need to make to pay the rent, send their kids to school, have some for medical care in case an emergency comes up. You know, I mean, there's just all kinds of things. Some of the groups I know um, have come from a sweatshop mindset. And so when we first started working with them, we actually had to work with them on increasing their prices. Like you're not actually asking enough for your product. <laughs> we can sell it for a lot more than that here in America. And uh, you don't need to give us sweatshop prices. We want to pay you fairly. And so we would give them financial training on, you know, make sure that you are asking enough to meet all of these basic needs and you're right. not selling yourself short. Right. Um, so we do that with all of our groups. We make sure that they're, they're being paid fairly. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of, I mean, we work with 19 countries, so things have to be shipped then over to the U.S., which has been a huge problem this last year. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Things are stuck on cargo ships and <laughs> wherever, you know, like, please let us have our products. <laughs> um, so we just are kind of getting things out as, as they come in, uh, which is not exactly as planned this last year, but it's worked. Um, and so once it comes in and we've paid the freight and the tax on it for coming through customs, then uh, then we have to mark it up so that Trades of Hope can make a product. You know, right. Or profit, not a product. So we can make a profit. <laughs> right. And pay everybody here who is is doing the distribution. Like me, you know, I get paid for going out and selling a necklace or earrings or everything. So, but it's a business, not a charity. And so the difference there is that we pay the artisans 100% of their asking price. We pay 50% when we place the order, and then we pay 50% when we receive the order. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they are paid. We have, you know, we could have a thousand of these sitting in our warehouse. And if it is in our warehouse, then the artisan has been paid for it. Uh, so they are not waiting. Sorry, my camera. What if I turn on another light? Maybe that'll help me stay in focus. I don't know. Um, but they are not waiting. I'm trying to get them focused. There. There, there it is. <laughs> okay. um, they are not waiting for us to sell their product before they get paid. So like I tell people, think about Target. You know, things are sitting on the shelves at Target. The supplier of whoever made that is not waiting for Target to sell it before it gets paid right. or before they get paid. 
So if we happen to put something on sale, like we did during Black Friday, we put a whole bunch of stuff on sale. And the first time I was around for one of those, I thought, oh no, like, does this mean that the artisans aren't being paid as much? But that's not how it worked because they've already been paid. If it's in our warehouse, they've been paid 100% of what they asked. And then we marked it up to make a profit. So if something goes on sale, then it's just, it's out of our pocket, not out of their pocket. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, so okay, I'm an artisan and I'm, I'm just starting, but I don't have money for materials. Do you have like a startup program yeah. for those artisans? Yeah, great question. <laughs> yeah, so we can do like short-term loans mm -hmm. to get them started, get it up and running. Uh, because yeah, they do have to buy the materials and have things ahead of time. Right. And that's part of the reason we pay 50% um, when we place the order. So okay. that then they have the money that they need to go out and buy the materials that they need for the product. And then we'll give them the rest once the order has been delivered. Okay. But that's why we do it. So that they have what they need to get started and get going. But we do also provide short-term loans sometimes, or um, we'll do kind of fundraisers. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see something, like right now, today, one started. Um, there's two different ornaments that you can buy from Haiti. I'm talking about Haiti a lot, but because I'm wearing Haiti and I've been to Haiti, so I just kind of, I love Haiti. Anyway, there's two different ornaments from Haiti um, that if you buy it like, what's this today, Monday? So it's yeah. Monday through Thursday. If you buy it Monday through Thursday, then $2 from every sale of those specific ornaments are going back to um, help buy Christmas dinners for the families in a school that we support and keep running. Um, so they want each family to have like a, a Christmas dinner. And because prices in Haiti are crazy right now, I mean, everything in Haiti is crazy right now. Their president was assassinated a few months ago and the whole country just went nuts. Um, and it has been for a while. So things in Haiti are out of control right now. So we're just trying to provide, there's about 40 families that go to this, have kids in this school. And it costs, it will cost about $40 to give them each a Christmas dinner. And so, um, so we're just trying to all work together. If we can sell these ornaments, then $2 from every sale of the ornament will go towards these Christmas dinners. And, um, and it's just fun. Like, well, so we'll have goals like that. So sometimes we're buying sewing machines for a group because they want to hire more ladies, but they don't have the money for sewing machines or something. I mean, it, it could be anything, but it's fun. It's always a great feeling to give. Um, so not only do you guys, you know, um, create entrepreneurs, you support different countries in different ways. Just by the sound of Haiti, when you say that you support a school out there. Yes. So the Trade to Hope was founded by two ladies and their two daughters. So four women. Okay. All together. And one of the ladies um, used to run an orphanage in Haiti. And so this is how the whole idea and concept of Trades of Hope started. She used to run this orphanage and she saw day after day after day, mothers would bring their babies to the orphanage to drop them off and say, I can't, 
I can't afford this child. I can't afford to raise this child. Will you take my baby? And after she was like, but you know, this is an orphanage. This is supposed to be for children who don't have parents. That was the plan. It's not supposed to be for children who have parents who can't afford to raise them. That was not the plan. Because taking a child out of their home and their family and putting them in an institution is not the best thing for the child. A child should be raised in its family. Right. And so, um, so she saw just day after day after day of mothers bringing their babies. And she started to think there has got to be a better way. There's, there's something different that like the system is broken. I thought we needed more orphanages in Haiti, but we don't need more orphanages. We need more jobs. We need a way for these women to earn some money so they can keep their babies and that families can stay together. And so when the earthquake in 2010 hit Haiti, I mean, Haiti, I mean, they just get blasted with one thing after another. There's yeah, earthquakes, do. there's all kinds of hurricanes, and it's just one thing after another. But after the earthquake in 2010, um, her orphanage got shut down and all, all of the children that were in it were like simultaneously adopted into the US. And she thought, I mean, that sounds wonderful, except now that these, these children will never see their mothers again, who were still alive. <laughs> it wasn't that they were parentless. They still had parents. They just couldn't afford them. And so she came back to the States and she thought, there's something different. There's, there's a better way. And uh, so she started to think about this idea of creating jobs. And so that's how the whole concept started forming in her mind. And then she got together with a friend and they decided, well, Let's just see what happens. We'll start this and let's see what happens. Um, so I kind of forgot what your question was. I got sidetracked. <laughs> I was just saying, what other, I was so interested in the story. What did I ask? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I think I asked, um, what other countries do you guys have support or any program? Oh, wait, 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 wait. So, cause we support that school in Haiti. Right. That's what it was. Right. So the school that we help support, so we pay all the teachers' salaries and everything. So that was started as part of the orphanage uh, when Gretchen was there. So she had an orphanage and then she started a school. So when they shut down the orphanage, they still kept, kept the school running because that area of Haiti needed a, a school. Um, and so they kept the school running. So we still support the school uh, and we will do that. We also try to, with some of our give backs, um, support the communities that the ladies are working in. So um, I know a couple of years ago, we put a well in uh, in one of the areas of India that we worked, which was like a, a slum area. They didn't have access to clean water. Um, there were, you know, 14 people living in a house without access to clean water. Children were having to walk really far distances to carry water back in five gallon buckets, which means they couldn't go to school because they spent most of their time walking to get water and back. And so we dug a well, you know, and put a well in that area. And that was a huge deal. We were so excited to be able to do that. So we love to be able to do things for our artisan groups in, in particular, but then if their community needs something as well, then we'll reach out. But we wait for the artisans to tell us that, you know, um, like we could really use a well in this community. And that's not just for 
the people who work here. That's for everybody. everybody. Right. I love that. I love everything about this. <laughs> I know. See, once you dig into it, it's like, oh, this is so great. It's like women empowerment to mm-hmm. the tenth power. Like, wow. Yeah. You support the family, support the village, support, you know, where they where they feel unsupported and they're struggling. And it's like you're giving hope, you yeah. know, well, back to what to I hope. said earlier, like you're, yeah, you're giving hope to to, to people that might not had hope at first or didn't know they were good at something or they can make things with their hands and actually make fair wages or people right. care about where they live in and care that they're, you know, the the job practices are are moral, you know, or ethics, you know. So, wow, this is just a lot. <laughs> it, there's a lot of information, yes. Yeah. I try not to go on information overload because I could talk forever. Um, but this and I've been doing this for five years. Five years, you said? Yeah, I've been doing it for five years. So I've learned a lot. And, um, and we, <laughs> see, I could keep going. So this year we're working with an organization called Elevate Academy. Mm-hmm. And um, they work with ladies who are coming out of trafficking. And it's an online school uh, for ladies who are coming out of trafficking. and. At first, so I didn't, I wasn't as nearly as familiar with trafficking as I probably should have been. I I thought it was something that only happened in other countries. It didn't happen in my state for sure. You know, it didn't happen in America. Definitely didn't happen in my state and totally not in my cute little town in southern, south of Indianapolis. Um, I've learned that, yes, it happens in all of those places especially in Indiana, we are the crossroads of America and that tends to, I don't know, promote a lot of, <laughs> you well, know. We're dead smack in the middle. We're dead smack in the right. middle. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Elevate Academy does and is, is, it's an online school. And the lady who started it was, she was trafficked for six years and finally uh, got out of it. Um, and was able to start the school. And she said, I'm doing it online because if we had it in a location, only certain people would be able to attend. Um, And it's everywhere. It's not just in major cities, it's in small towns, it's everywhere. And so uh, she created this this academy. So Trades of Hope is partnering with them this year um, with our hostesses. It's, It's something that they can work towards when they have a party. If they, you know, hit a certain dollar amount, then we provide one day of free online training for a lady at Elevate Academy. If they hit another amount, we'll provide two days. If they hit another amount, three days, you know, it it goes up. So it's something to work towards and get excited about. And we know that as we call it a collaborative collective, kind of hard to say, but basically as a group, we can do way more together than we could as a single person. So if I was saying, you know, I want to donate days to ladies at Elevated Academy. Well, I can only do, you know, a little bit, maybe a couple of days by myself, but you put thousands of women working together who are going for this and gunning for it. And we have donated over 4,000 days since February. I think the number just came out today. It's 4,266 days or something. I mean, that's over 12 years worth for 
for ladies to be able to go for free. Wow. And I, I just, it makes me a little teary eyed. I just, I love it. Um, just so just all of our partnerships and every way that it's formed, you know, you're, you're purchasing items from a lady in Haiti, but you are, so you're making sure that she can send her kids to school and get medical care if she needs it. And then back here in the States, you are sending a lady through an online education course to help her uh, get therapy, get her courage back, get her dignity back, um, and find some tools for herself so that she can get a job. I never, I never thought about ladies in America who are coming out of trafficking uh, trying to go out and get a job. Do you know how impossible that is? Like, <laughs> do you have a record? Do you have a police record? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, not gonna hire you, you know? So this gives them space to get a little bit of space from their record while they're going through this uh, program and then helps them get the job opportunities that they need and, you know, figure out what they're good at and a career path that would be great for them. I just, I just love it. Overall, I mean, just helping people everywhere so that I can yeah. have experience. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to do a lot. It just takes um, gen genuine, like genuineness and, and wanting to make a difference. So if these four ladies just turned an idea into like, I don't know, like just a blessing to me, just a huge blessing to women that don't have support. You're supporting the unsupported. And I'm, I'm assuming when you are coming out of trafficking, you also have to kind of like readjust yourself into the real world because that's not the real world right oh yeah oh, you know yeah. you have to readjust you gotta you got ptsd you know even if you do have a boss if your boss is kind of domineering you don't know that can trigger something inside of you make you intimidated you know your confidence flow so i think that that's i think that's incredible yeah incredible yeah when you said ptsd it reminded me um well, first of all, let me just back up. For anybody who's interested in learning a little bit more about it, uh, you can read a book by Rebecca Bender is her name. She's the lady who started Elevate Academy and her book is called In Pursuit of Love. And that will tell you her story. Um, so it's just it's just her story and her, the ladies that she knew. So it's not, I mean, everybody's story is gonna be different, right. um, but it is, powerful if you're into audiobooks i downloaded it from my library and listened to it and she reads it in her own voice and i just felt like that was really powerful so if you want to learn some more about elevate academy um or her story or just in general everybody should read the book i bought three copies and i've been passing them out to my friends i'm like everybody needs to read this book everybody does uh just so you have an idea of what's happening in america because I had no idea it was happening in America. Um, but when you said PTSD, it reminded me. So uh, of our group that we work with in North Asia, they are also ladies who are coming out of trafficking uh, in brothels. And we had a speaker come to one of our, our conferences one time, and she was telling us um, that she absolutely loved the way that Trades of Hope places its orders 
and another thing I had never thought of before. She was like, I don't even know if you guys know this, who, you know, cause you're just out doing the work. Do you even know how you guys place orders? <laughs> and we were like, no, what's so great about it? And she said, what you do is you say, you know, I want 500 pairs of these earrings, but I don't want them all at once. I want a hundred this month and a hundred every month for the next four months. And she said, what that does is it creates sustainable work for our women. They know that they will have employment for the next four months. They know what they will be working on when they come in, which is really important when you have PTSD and you have trauma, you need to know what is my day gonna look like? Like no surprises, because surprises throw you off. So if I know that I can come in and for the next five months, I'm gonna be making this pair of earrings. That means my day is steady, my work is steady, and there, there's not gonna be anything thrown at me. I know what I'm doing, I don't have to learn a new skill. I can do this thing that I am good at. And then when we're done with those earrings, I'll learn the next earrings. But it's not like, we're asking you to make, you know, um, several different things all at once. So we, we order, you know, 100 this month and 100 every month for the next four months. Gives them steady, sustainable employment. She said, because the last thing you want to do is put 30 women who all have PTSD in one room and say, we need to make 3,000 of these earrings. They're waiting for us. Let's go, go, go. <laughs> you know, and then the women get all rattled and then nothing gets done and everybody starts blowing up and yelling at each other. She said, the other thing you don't want to do is put 30 women who have PTSD all in one room and say, I'm sorry, like we made those 3,000 earrings that they needed. And so now we just have to wait. There isn't anything for us to do. Right. Then they blow, you know, like, then there isn't anything to do. And now they're gonna blow up. And she said, so what you guys do is you provide small amounts, steady employment. We know what we're doing for a certain period of time and it's wonderful. And the ladies can can come in in comfort and, and peace because it's not huge orders and it's not, you know, it's not all at once or nothing. It's, it's sustainable. Steady, yeah. I, I just thought, well, that, I mean, that's just another reason that I love trades. <laughs> You're like, I got all the reasons. <laughs> I know. They've thought, they've thought through things. Yeah, it's very intentional. Everything about trades of hope is intentional. And I love yeah. I love that. I love it. So I know you said you loved Haiti, but what other country have you traveled to or state that um, you would say was one of your favorite trips or traveling journeys? Uh, okay, let's see. I've been a lot of places, um, which was part of the reason, and not all of them related to Trades of Hope. Uh, so I just, I was kind of a missions trip junkie before I got into this because I didn't know any other way to help. I just thought, well, I'll go and I'll paint the church sanctuary. The thought never crossed my mind. Why don't I just hire somebody local who could use the job to go paint that church sanctuary. Like, why do I have to pay $2,000 to go across the world to paint this sanctuary? I, anyway, yeah. as a mission trip junkie, I would say. So I've been a lot of places. 
Um, so I've been to, and I've seen a lot of poverty. That was the other thing. Like I'd go to all these places and I'd see all this poverty and then I'd come home and be like, huh, it's weird. Like my toilet's still flush. My lights turn on every time I hit this magic switch, but I didn't know what to do about it. <laughs> like there was this those little things thing. we take for granted. Those are little things to us, but huge somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a huge disparity. And I would come home and I'd all, it was like, I almost had reverse culture shock. Like why, why am I so lucky that I have all this stuff just because I was born here? Anyway, so I've been to, uh, we work with a group in Costa Rica. I've been to Costa Rica. They're funny. Um, they're not very tech savvy. So like <laughs> you can send them an email <laughs> and it may be a few weeks before they open it. <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> <laughs> we're still working with them, but they don't have very consistent internet. So it's, you know, it's hit or miss. Yeah. But I've been there. Um, I've been to the Dominican Republic. We work with a group in the Dominican Republic of ladies again who are coming out of trafficking. The Dominican is one of the most highly trafficked countries uh, in the world. And you wouldn't, I mean, it's like this, it's like this big, but it's, it's one of the most highly trafficked countries. So we work with a group there. They specifically work with ladies coming out of trafficking. Um, and I've been to Peru um and we we work with a group there a lot of their stuff is um sometimes we'll have like nativity scenes made out of clay and it's all hand painted and things i love i love the stuff coming out of peru probably because i've been there um i've been to haiti several times uh i've been to ghana in africa i haven't been anywhere else in africa i've been to ghana but we don't work with anybody in ghana that was beautiful there it is. It is beautiful. <laughs> Although we went to a beach and I was like, I was in charge of a bunch of teenagers and I just kind of looked at the beach and I was like, nobody get in the water. Don't get in the water. <laughs> I don't know what is in the water, but don't What's get in the What's wrong with the water? Well, for one thing, there were horses, like you could take horseback rides down the beach, which sounds wonderful, except that horses just poop wherever they want to. Yeah. And so every once in a while you'd see it. And I was like, oh, don't, just don't, <laughs> don't get in the water. <laughs> it sounds so romantic, doesn't it? But then when they poop, you're like, yeah, uh, that's, that's like with a, 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 a carriage ride though. It's like in theory, it is romantic, but really you, it's taking you forever to go around the block. And like you said, you can smell the horse <laughs> doing his business while you're on the road. It's not like you can body train them. They're just going to go when they mean to go. Right. So, I mean, it's nice for a picture, but I don't, <laughs> it's not really that enjoyable. Exactly. <laughs> so, here on BYOK, we have a staple question. And that question is if you could describe yourself in one word, what would it be and why? <laughs> um empathetic i think would be my word and why and why well my kids could tell you i can cry at the drop of a hat i mean i should have been an actress it does not take any anything for me to cry i have cried at campbell's soup commercials i can 
I can cry at anything. So if you started tearing up right now, I wouldn't even have to know why you were crying. I could start crying. I mean, I just, I feel other people's emotions so deeply. And it's a blessing and a curse. Like I can connect with people right away. Connecting with people is not hard for me. However, like I, I was stupid. And I posted something in like my little community forum about, hey parents, I just want you to know, you know, this book is being offered at the middle school and it's got some stuff that you may want to know about in it, you know? just to kind of let people know because I've read the book. Oh my goodness, I got so much hate feedback from that little post. People were yelling at me and calling me a Nazi and wanting to burn books and everything. Like I curled up in my bed and cried the rest of the night because I could like feel it coming through the computer, you know, like yeah. the, the hate. But I feel so, I can feel other people's emotions so easily that I would say that's my, that's my biggest word to describe me as empathetic. I can oh, feel. Wow. <laughs> that that is a gift. That is a uh, that's a gift. That is a gift and a curse. It depends on the energy. Yeah, on the energy. It does. Oh, I need them to chill out. As a as a parent form, I need them to chill out. <laughs> yeah. I I just have like I'm not even going on that page anymore. I'm not gonna. All right. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, they're on. <laughs> just trying to say a little FYI. Right, so you know what your kid is reading. Yep. Yeah. So um, where can people find you if they want to, you know, um, join Trays of Hope or learn more about it or become an artisan? Um, How can they reach you? Yes. I have a website. It's really easy to remember. It's just www.tradesofhope.com slash Stephanie Newsham. So that's my name. Um, And I, I don't know if you have somewhere, you know, It'll, it'll pop up. It'll pop okay. up on the video. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> there we go. So you can find me there. Um, I have a group on Facebook. If you just look up Stephanie Newsham Trades of Hope, uh, you can find me there. You can come join my group. I just, and that's just where I'll tell like artisan stories or I'll tell you what's happening. Or like today when they came out and said, hey, if you buy these two specific ornaments, we will be helping families earn a Christmas dinner. You know, so I go on and say, everybody buy the ornaments. Um, so you can find me there. I'm, I'm kind of an open book. That's the other thing about being empathetic. I mean, you can find ways on there. Send, shoot me a message on Facebook. I love that. Ollie will write you back. Trust me. I will see you and I will write you back. She will. I will. (laughs) So if you want to find me, I mean, there's, there's three great ways. If I do my group page, just shoot me a message on Facebook or uh, go to my website. And I would love to talk to anybody who wants to know more about it. I obviously love it. And so (laughs) I'm happy to talk, but I can be quiet as well and listen. <laughs> Anything else you want to add before we um end? Well, I just thank you so much for having me. It's fun. I enjoy every opportunity to be able to talk and brag on my artisans and how talented they are. My artisans, whatever. But you know, the artisans. Um, and just thanks for so much for having me on. And I hope everybody just. Okay, what I want you to walk away from this podcast 
and do is the next time you go shopping and you see, oh, that's a cute pair of earrings. Look, they're only five bucks. I just want you to pause for a second before you throw it in your cart and think, those are $5. How much did the person who made them get paid? Because the store is still making a profit and they probably came from overseas. So there was tax and shipping and freight and all that stuff. So if I'm only paying $5, how much did the person who actually made this get paid? That's what I want you to do when you, that's the takeaway I want you to take from this is just think, just think about the person on the other side of whatever you buy. Cause there's somebody on the other side of whatever you buy and were they paid fairly? Were they treated well? Just think about it. You can still buy the earrings if you want to. I'm not gonna, you know, judge you or anything. I just want, I would just want that thought to go through your head. I wonder if this person was paid fairly if I'm only paying $5. If you say, that's fine. I, I still want them. My mom will tell me every once in a while. She'll be like, look at my earrings. Aren't they cute? I got them at the dollar store. I'm like, sweatshop. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, probably was, wasn't it? So, I mean, and I've been, I've been toting this for five years and it's still not her first thought. She's like, look, I got a deal. These are cute. I'm like, sweatshop. These are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the takeaway I want everybody to walk away with. Just think before you make a purchase, it'll slow you down a little bit. Just, just slow yourself down just a little bit. It's okay if you still purchase it, but just slow yourself for just 30 seconds. I think we can do that. Listen, okay. can you do that? I think we all can do that. Cause I don't think of that. I just like, yes, sell. <laughs> I know. I totally, I mean, that was totally me. Sometimes it still is. I'm not gonna lie. I buy my kids clothes at Walmart because they're gonna grow out of them in three months. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Sorry, whoever made this, you probably didn't get paid fairly, but I can't afford <laughs> to buy everything on the up and up. Right, but it's just the, the consciousness of it. Of yeah. There are people out there that are getting paid nothing, you know, just so we can be comfortable. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, thank you. Um, thanks for the perspective. Thank you for, I'm, I'm really happy to have met you because it is a different perspective. You know, anytime I purchase something, I'm helping someone else. And that's kind of like, I don't know, nice altruistic feeling, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so I just thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for um, letting us know a little bit about the trades of hope and opening our eyes to some of the things that are going on around the world that are going over our heads and we're just, you know, whistling down the street or whatever. So, you know, we're dealing with our own American issues, you know, but it never takes time out to think about what's going on besides in our country, you know? Okay. So um, thank you for that perspective and that awareness. And I hope listeners that you've learned something today. And I really, 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 really am asking you to check out the Trades of Hope. <laughs> check out um, Stephanie's website. It is such cool stuff, cool stuff. And it's cool stuff in your in hand and you're supporting women all over the globe. So it doesn't get any cooler than that. So until next time, everybody, don't forget to be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Until next time, bye.